Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. The fourth beast is a fourth kingdom that will appear on the earth. It will be different from all the other kingdoms and will devour, here's the key, the whole earth, trampling it down and crushing it. So it's going to be different. And here's how it's going to be different. One of the ways it's going to be different is it's going to trample down the whole earth. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study through the books of the Old Testament prophets. Join us as Pastor Brian resumes his teaching on Daniel chapter 7. Now here's Pastor Brian. The image that Nebuchadnezzar sees is the way that we would tend to view the kingdoms of the world as these magnificent, glorious monuments to the greatness of of men. And that's how they appear to many. But Daniel's vision is of wild beast. And so from God's perspective, these empires are like ferocious beasts that devour humanity. And of course, history would tell us that uh, God's perspective is really the accurate perspective. Because you think of empires and you think of all the glory of empires and still to this very day, you can go to different places in the world and you can still see the remnant of certain empires and you can get a, a sense of the magnificence of what they might have been at their time. But if you lived under the authority of that empire, you were probably a severely oppressed human. You probably were a slave to the empire. That's just the way empires go. So the picture of the beast are a picture of these kingdoms. Now, I think that just as with Nebuchadnezzar's image, you know, Daniel told him specifically, you're the head of gold. That's you, that's Babylon. And so I think we could say from this vision, because it seems to me like a parallel, that the same kingdoms are being spoken of. So look at what it says about the first. So the first was like a lion and it had the wings of an eagle. Now, one of the things I think we might have pointed it out before, but in, in Babylon, the lion was, was very much a symbol of Babylonian power. And all over Babylon, remember we talked about how uh, every brick in Babylon had Nebuchadnezzar's name engraved in it. And, and lions were in all of their, all of their artwork contained lions. And so... The lion is a fitting picture. It had the wings of an eagle. 
I watched until its wings were torn off and it was lifted from the ground so that it stood on two feet like a human being and the mind of a human was given to it. So this sounds a lot like, it's just a different way of describing it. It sounds a lot like Nebuchadnezzar, right? He's this great, powerful ruler. And then he's humbled. His wings are torn off, so to speak. And then in in this humbling, he comes out as no longer a beastly ruler, but he comes out like a man. And we saw that in chapter four, right? He comes out praising the God of heaven. So I think there's a clear parallel here. So we know then the the next empire that came was the empire of the Medes and the Persians. They conquered Babylon. And there before me was a second beast which looked like a bear. It was raised up on one of its sides and it had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth. Now, this is interesting because the the Medes and the Persians, and they were together, it was the Medo-Persian Empire. They conquered successively three kingdoms, the kingdom of Lydia, the kingdom of Babylon, and Egypt. So, Many have wondered, well, you know, what are the three ribs in the mouth of the beast? What, what is that referring to? Well, it could be referring to those other kingdoms. Those were great kingdoms. The kingdom of Lydia, which we hear very little to nothing about today, was a great kingdom at a point in history. And they conquered the Lydian kingdom. And we know more about the Babylonian kingdom because we study the Bible and that's, you know, the emphasis there. But then also the, um, the Egyptians. And so this seems to fit perfectly with what we know from history regarding the Medo-Persian Empire. After that, I looked, and there before me was another beast, one that looked like a leopard. And on its back, it had four wings like those of a bird. So in successive order, we come to the Greeks, And the interesting thing about this one is you have a leopard, which leopards are known for their speed. So the leopard itself is known for its speed. A cheetah can run 80 miles an hour, they say. That's pretty darn fast. Um, And a a cheetah is a type of a leopard. And, uh, but not only is it a leopard, but it has wings. So indicating that it's even more swift. And the interesting thing is historically, one of the things that Alexander the Great goes down in history for is the swiftness with which he conquered the world. He did it so quickly, nobody even could have imagined that it could have been done let alone could have been done that quickly. And so we see here a parallel. And then it goes on and it tells us that this this, um, third beast had four heads and it was given authority to rule. So... Here's the history. Alexander the Great 
He conquers the known world in a few short years, all the way, starting in Greece, and goes all the way down and conquers India. He sets up his camp in Babylon, and he dies at the age of 31 or something, between 30 and 33. And they, they say he died of pneumonia. Some say he died of syphilis. Who, who knows how he died? But, but he died. And when he died, because he had no successor, he was the successor to his father, Philip of Macedon, but he had no successor. So his empire was divided up between his four generals. And that, that whole area that he had conquered one general took one region, another took another, another took another. The, the two that are of interest to us in the book of Daniel that we'll discover as we get further would be Seleucus in the north who would have authority over Syria and over much of what we know today as Turkey and that region there, Seleucus in the north, and then Ptolemy in the south, which would have, Egypt would have been the center of power, and the land of Israel would have been included in that. So we have this, this third kingdom, the Grecian kingdom. And then we come to this fourth beast, terrifying and frightening and very powerful. Now, each of the other beasts are freaky, right? I mean, a lion with wings, a leopard with wings. But this one's extra freaky because it has iron teeth. Now, the iron, I think, is, is symbolic, but it's interesting. Remember that the image of Nebuchadnezzar had iron legs. So you see a parallel. The iron is indicating the strength of it. So this is the most powerful as far as military might. This is the most powerful of the four kingdoms. And this, of course, historically, would be the Roman Empire. And the Roman Empire emerged onto the scene and eventually took over all of the area that the previous three empires had ruled. But as he's looking at this fourth beast, then there are these other aspects that are very intriguing to him. It was different than the former beast, and it had 10 horns. So this is different. It had 10 horns. But not only that, while I was thinking about the horns, there before me was another horn a little one. This horn had eyes like the eyes of a human being and a mouth that spoke boastfully. And it was in the time of the reign of this fourth kingdom that thrones were set and the Ancient of Days took his seat. So it's in the time of this fourth kingdom that God will set up his kingdom. Now, he goes into detail here about this, this little horn is the intriguing thing to 
Daniel. Verse 11, then I continued to watch because of the boastful words, the horn that was speaking. I kept looking until the beast was slain and its body destroyed and thrown into the blazing fire. The other beast, the three that preceded it, had been stripped of their authority, but were allowed to live for a period of time. And then in my vision at night, I looked and behold, uh, and I looked in there before me was one like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. Now, the son of man is here. I think we all know who this is a reference to, right? Jesus used this, he used this term for himself more than any other. It's found 81 times in the gospels. So Jesus, you know, you think of all of the different ways. Jesus is the Messiah. He's the son of David. He's the king of Israel. He, you know, you could go on and on with the various titles, son of God. But Jesus chooses to use this title, son of man. And this title was a bit enigmatic. This was a title that the, that the, um, the ancient rabbis didn't really use to refer to the Messiah, even though they recognized in Daniel 7 that there was something about this picture that was messianic. But Jesus uses it, and he uses it in two ways. He uses it to make a statement that he's a human being, because that's what a son of man simply means, a human being. That's what it means. But... Because of Daniel 7, it also means that one who's coming in the clouds. And so Jesus would use this title. And in a minute, I'll I'll show you where he used it in the most, probably the most significant way that he used it and and place that he used it. But, But let's go on. So Daniel is intrigued by this fourth Beast. I, Daniel, was troubled in spirit. Visions that passed my head disturbed me. I approached the one, asked him the meaning of all this. He told me the four great beasts or four kings that rise up out of the earth or kingdoms, but the holy people of the Most High will receive the kingdom and will possess it forever, yes, forever and ever. Then I wanted to know the meaning of the fourth beast. So it's almost like Daniel... Now remember, Daniel's living in the Babylonian period at this time. The Medes and the Persians haven't even conquered Babylon, and the Greeks, of course, haven't even come, but he's interested in, tell me about this fourth beast. This is the one that really is intriguing. And he says that this beast was different from all the others and most terrifying with iron teeth and bronze claws. At least three times here, it's highlighted that this beast was different than the others. So the three kingdoms that preceded it, there's something different about this one. And I'm going to show you what the difference is in a second. So he says, I also wanted to know about the ten horns on its head, and about the other horn that came up before which three of them fell. 
the horn that looked more imposing than the others and that had eyes and a mouth that spoke boastfully. As I watched, this horn was waging war against the holy people and defeating them until the Ancient of Days came and pronounced judgment in favor of the holy people of the Most High. And the time came when they possessed the kingdom. So now all of this is obviously being shown to Daniel, not in all of the details that would unfold, but rapidly. He, he's seen kind of just this very quick vision of where things end up. The book of Revelation gives us all kinds of details about what's going on in the time of this little horn. And that, that's to a large degree what we're reading about in much of the book of Revelation. So he gave me this explanation. Curious about the fourth beast. The fourth beast is a fourth kingdom that will appear on the earth. It will be different from all the other kingdoms and will devour, here's the key, the whole earth, trampling it down and crushing it. So it's going to be different. And here's how it's going to be different. One of the ways it's going to be different is it's going to trample down the whole earth. This fourth kingdom and this little horn that's connected to it will take over the whole world. That's what the passage is talking about. Will take over the whole world. And it's during that time that the Son of Man, as we read, is brought before the Ancient of Days and he, re he receives the kingdom. So the one difference is it will take over the whole world. And here, I think, is the second difference. I think the second difference is that this kingdom, unlike the others, has two phases to it. So the other kingdoms, they had their day. Their kingdom was overthrown. That was the end of the story. But this kingdom, just like the image, had two legs. And so here now, we've got this 10 horns and the three and the one. And so this kingdom will have two phases to it. Now, I think clearly we're talking about the Roman Empire. Clearly, we know that there has been phase one of the Roman Empire. But there's a second phase that's coming to it. Now, the, um, remember it said about the other kingdoms. It said, it said this, this particular kingdom, it says that I kept looking at this beast, this fourth beast was slain and its body was destroyed and thrown into the blazing fire. The other beast had been stripped of their authority, but were allowed to live for a period of time. This is verse 12. So think about this historically. So Babylon is conquered and the reign of the Babylonian kings ends, but Babylon goes on in history. 
The city of Babylon exists in the New Testament period. It's nothing like it was in the time of Nebuchadnezzar, but nevertheless, it's still there. So its life is extended in that sense. And the same thing with the Medes and the Persians. They were overthrown by Alexander the Great, but he didn't wipe them off the face of the earth. He just assumed their kingdom. And then the same thing again with Alexander. But the difference between those three, their lives were prolonged. This last kingdom will be destroyed totally and completely immediately with no extension of life. That, that's what is being said here. So the fourth beast is a fourth kingdom that will appear on earth. It will be different from all the other kingdoms and will devour the whole earth, trampling it down and crushing it. The 10 horns are 10 kings who will come from this kingdom. After them, another king will arise, different from the earlier ones. He will subdue three kings. He will speak against the Most High and oppress his holy people and try to change the set times and the laws. The holy people will be delivered into his hands for a time, times, and a half a time. But the court will sit and his power will be taken away and completely destroyed forever. So now let's, let's just think about this. So going back to Rome. So the Roman Empire began, about, began, began to rise to power about 150 years before the time of Christ. And the Roman Empire in its Western version... Now, we have to realize that Rome had a Western and an Eastern empire. So the Western empire, which was centered in Rome, I think it was in the, in the 400s, it was conquered. But the Eastern empire went on for another thousand years. The Eastern empire wasn't conquered until I, I think it was, we should have looked these dates up today, but, but sometime in the 1400s. I mean, think about that. The, the, the Roman Empire was still existing in the 1400s, the Eastern version of it. Now, the Eastern version was conquered by Islam. The Western version was conquered by the German tribes. And then the Western Empire sort of morphed into a bunch of smaller versions of Rome. And there was a, a period of time where it was called the Holy Roman Empire. So Caesar was no longer ruling the region. The popes were ruling the region. But they saw themselves as an extension of Caesar. So even though there's still Roman influence that's come all the way down to us today in so many different ways. I mean, if you go to the capital and you look at all of those magnificent buildings like the uh, Supreme Court and some of the different buildings there, you know, that's all built after Roman architecture. And now let's join Pastor Brian in the studio as he shares about this month's resource. 
Hi, Pastor Brian here, and it is the beginning of a new year, and I think one of the greatest things about the gospel is the truth of the grace of God, that we're saved by grace, that we live in His grace, that ultimately we are brought home through His grace. And so this month, we are offering a great little booklet by Paul David Tripp, 40 Days of Grace. So what a great way to start the new year, taking a deep dive into the grace of God. And so if you would like to get your copy, let us know and we'll be happy to send you 40 Days of Grace by Paul David Tripp. Again, this month's resource is a book titled 40 Days of Grace by Paul David Tripp. You can order the book 40 Days of Grace by going to our website, backtobasicsradio.com. Scroll down until you see the photo of it and then click on the donate button. When you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you the book 40 Days of Grace by Paul David Tripp to help you better understand that grace is more than you think. It's our way of saying thank you for your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of Daniel. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.